listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcaster Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. You've just walked onto the doorstep of your senior prom date. The doorbell you've just pressed echoes in eternity and provides you with the frozen chronicle for all time. That is, until the door opens. Who answers the door? What will they say? How will you respond? What awaits you as the night continues? This is the summation of the akin experience that awaits us all tonight as we prepare to head to the senior prom, the last dance, the final series of episodes of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming reviewed here on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this time Season 7, Episode 12, The End is at Hand. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. One episode at a time. Now, for those of you that have come here to catch the quick double header from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, I've got bad news. Ain't happening. We are not going to be reviewing both episodes together because, frankly, it means too much. Yeah. There's so much riding on the tail end of this program and that we have had such a gift delivered to us this entire season, we would be remiss if we took both of these 42 to 44 minute episodes and somehow smashed them together into some sort of ad hoc Dagwood sandwich. So we're not going to be doing that. Uh, Amazingly, and I'm going to talk about it as we get towards the center of this episode, Nick and I have both held off the final hour of this grand show. Yeah. And I'm pining, dude. I, 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 We're going to talk about it later, but I have not pined like this since the second month after the TNG season finale going into the next season. That's the last time that I can remember having the pining feeling that I'm having right now about what could happen. And that's really saying something, because for those of you that remember, after season two, finales for the next generation of Star Trek pretty freaking epic way yeah, up there yeah. on on the the entertainment meter but most importantly there was a want like wanting to finish a series of good books the difference is that back then you couldn't just go somewhere else and 
download the episode real quick. Right. You had to wait until it came out on television because there was no other option. I'm not a TV historian, so I can't tell you when exactly it actually started happening. But I would have to say around the time of The Next Generation, Mm -hmm. when they started doing those impactful season finale Mm -hmm. episodes, that wasn't the norm. No. In television. No. And I, I don't want to say Next Generation started it, because I don't think they did. No. But they damn near perfected it. Yeah. For back then, in that, the, that time period. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They, they grabbed the formula and were able to deposit something that, uh, again, it's that pining. It, it's the, right, but I need to know what's going to happen next. Th- th- You'll th- have to piece. wait three and a half to four months. <laughs> right, right. And you count down. You count you do. the calendar Absolutely. days. Not only that, there were also Starlog Magazine was something that I, I frequently went and bought mm. at the local stores. And I, I think I've still got at least some of them. And the reason I bought them is because I wanted to know. Right. And that was the only track of For me, it was Farscape. Farscape had the mm. same impact on mm. me. And Farscape had a magazine. It did not last very long. I think right. only 10 issues but but damn it, it was one of those things yeah. to where every season finale was one of those holy shit moments, yeah. and you counted down the days for the season premiere of the yeah. next season to start. Yeah. I think what I also remember, too, is that there was never a day shift. It was always on the same day at the same time, mm. and it's must-watch television on whatever that day was. Yeah. It's been long enough that I don't remember what it was anymore, but... Again, anyway, where I was going with this whole thing here is that those of you that have come to listen to our 12th and 13th hour episode of this season, you're only going to get the 12th hour because this is what you get. And we didn't want to watch the 13th one, but still do these in separate ways because we don't want the ending of the show to influence our rating for this episode. So we are treating this as if only one episode aired this week. Right. Well, and for you and I, one episode has aired. That, that, that is true. <laughs> a farewell to agents. You know, you, the agents. There is an epic farewell to agents with the agent saying farewell to the fans that I caught the first two and a half or so minutes of before they started talking about and saying things that I started to discern may spoil my experience of watching the last hour. I know the video in which you speak. And, I saw it too, okay. and then I stopped, and I saved it because yes. I'm going to watch oh, it. Oh, well, as am I. Once, once I've watched the final episode. Yes, as am I. I'm also going to read the article that it was tethered to because the article was referring specifically to uh, a writer chimes in about something, the, the sole regret... Hmm. that the writers from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have about the show. And I started reading it, and, I'm, and I started getting the speed bumps of, hey, look, it's shit that's going to spoil your entire watching of the last two hours of this show. And so I stopped. And, I, Nick, I have to tell you, I'm so proud of myself because there are so few times that I have put on the brakes and stuff like that and just blindly walked into a minefield of doom that always, always squelches any interest and in my satisfaction level when I go and see whatever the product was right. that I've now blown it on. So we are going to be linking to the video, just not in the show notes for this episode. Right. They'll be in the show notes for the last episode that we'll be watching the video after we review the next episode. 
Anyway, it was tremendous. And it is that warm, fuzzy, making you feel like you're part of the program that I wish every program had that no program has. And so when, when we start talking about you guys, the listeners, and what we feel watching the program, that's the same element I have that they showcased inside this video. It is tremendous. It is powerful. And I can't wait to finish it next week. That's all I got for housekeeping, guys. It's time to get to our review of the 12th hour of season seven, the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. The end is at hand. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Nathaniel buries Jaying even deeper. This is tremendous. Nathaniel walks up to Cora and begins digging even a deeper hole for her dearly departed mother and throwing on all kinds of accusational stuff to make her feel even worse so that he can lovingly glance over and give her the hug that she needs so as to rope her in even harder than she already is into the, the manic ideologue world of Nathaniel. Right. And again, it, it, it shows a it shows a thought process and a stair stepping. Nathaniel is not going to stop no matter what happens. And I, I thought it was a great starting point for the front end of this episode. Well it also harkens back to our conversation from the previous episode. This is Cora asserting herself a little bit and you can even tell on Nathaniel's face it's the questioning he does not like. Right. But I don't want to get rid of my weapon. So placate. Uh, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to hear to continue to stay on my side. But it is a sign that Cora isn't as deep in the Kool-Aid pool as one might believe she could be. Yeah, what I, what I got from this, and I, it's taken a while for me to kind of figure out exactly what Nathaniel is delivering for me in regard to character delivery. And this is what it is. For those of you that remember the original animated Lion King, Nathaniel is Scar. The difference is that Nathaniel is Scar without all of the very heavily laden, drippy, oh, well, I'm going to show you what's going to happen then. That's what he is. And it makes him instantly endearing because gone is that that impossible to attain sense of dread because it has to be overly theatrical because it's a freaking talking lion we don't have that what he's giving you is exactly what you need for nathaniel here uh you you said it perfectly placate 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 he's absolutely doing that but almost as if it's scar when they he goes to wrap his arms around her and they have a camera that's panned to the back of cora you could almost see where he kind of would look into the camera and lift one eyebrow. Yeah. And he is. He, he is the living embodiment of Scar inside this season. Impressive repartee from Mac to Sousa. <laughs> this is great. Sousa and Daisy get done with their wonderful kiss. And Sousa walks back to the console. <laughs> Mac is being studious, and you're like, okay, so is Mac going to rain terror on him? You know, got to be the angry dad because he's the angry dad. 
And instead, he just kind of lifts one shoulder and he goes, impressive. <laughs> and I loved it. It was perfect. It, it is, it's not quite the acknowledgement of, yes, you may, but it, I, I really enjoyed it. The, the, the glue that the two of them have in the very short time that they've been working together as that relationship is really, really fun to watch. I seem to bring it up a lot, and uh, I guess this is going to be one of the last few times I get to bring it up. <laughs> it's the humor, not the ha-ha, but the humor between characters, especially characters that interact with each other a lot. Mm -hmm. It's the same type of humor that you would have with your family or your close friends. It's that shorthand. It's the fact that you can say something funny, and it's humorous, but not slapstick funny. Very And well again, said. this show delivers that. 30 minutes or less, your pizza is free, and it's always hot. And it's always delicious. Mm -hmm. I, I love the, the word shorthand that you use. And the, the ability to develop that inside of a television program with characters, very rare. Hmm. Usually it's over a a very long period of time where there's some very significant things that happen to these characters. And for those of you that have forgotten, we've only just included Sousa recently. Right. This is not a, this is, this is not some epic tale of man, man relationship that we've forged over a series of seasons across boundless galaxies. And we don't have any of that. Right. Right. And they've been able to forge it. It's, it's remarkable. They think that there's a secret swirling. This is, again, wonderful. Building the building blocks of knowing that something is coming. We already knew something's coming. Hey, ding, ding. But the way that they, they, they provide you with this very strange, the, the, the character tone here at this point in the episode. It's very strange. There's a couple of other times inside this episode where it does exactly the same thing where there, there's just, the, it's not, it's not bad pacing. It's just strange. And because they've made it strange, it instantly amps up the value of the mystery that's swirling. Mm. I think the strangeness where the, the pacing is concerned for you is you're sitting there thinking the same thing that the characters are thinking. There's no way of getting out of this. Yeah. I mean, what what's the point? But, of course, they're the heroes, so they're they're, they're going to keep fighting until there's not a breath left in them. Also, on the bad guy side, what's the point? There is no point for you to fight. We have won. But it keeps on happening. Things keep on happening that shouldn't be happening or are happening in a different way that technically maybe not should have. Mm -hmm. And knowing that there's no way out of this, but hoping that there's some way out of this, anytime we come to one of those moments in the show where... They lay on another glaze of mystery. You're like, stop teasing me. Yeah. There's no easy fix for this. Just stop it. But they keep doing yeah. that, and you keep that's on holding well out on hope. That's very well said, and I think that ongoing series of glaze delivery, that's very apt. Mm. I, I agree with that. Talking Tech. The Tractor Beam Capture of the Zephlorian. Man, this is... It's spectacular. It checks every single box there is inside of the cone of special effects. From the 
available inside of any solid feature film today. Yeah. Spaceships that are look at the freaking spaceships firing the freaking lasers. <laughs> They're right freaking there. They even have a laser joke inside of it. To the uh, to the detail inside of each of the tractor beams that latch on and then remove themselves, and then another one latches on and it removes themselves and then it latches on. It, it's spectacular. And then the peeling back of the shields that then open up to the hangar bay that they pull the Zephlorian into. Oh yeah, movie quality. Yeah, just epic stuff and it, it is one of the things that i read about inside that article that i stopped reading about that budget budget was one of the huge speed bumps mm. that the show saw during almost its entire run but especially these last two oh years. i'm not surprised i'm not and surprised i i guess what i would like to tell everybody that created the show in particular those that pulled off the special effects thank you for spending the money on these special effects again i haven't read that whole article I don't know the whole story, any of the behind-the-scenes stuff that I look forward to learning, but you guys spent the money well yeah. if this is what you're going to represent. If if it was a result of cutting the season from 24 episodes to 13, then thank you. Yeah, check, check. Box. Because There's it no definitely helped. It's one of the many talking tech points inside this episode, but we're curious what you guys thought was a great talking tech moment. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think. An innocuous inoculation. This happened so fast you'd miss it. If you were not paying attention, you would instantly miss that somehow Simmons gets an inoculation. Because it's just kind of this thing they spray on her on the side of her head. And like I said, you wouldn't know it if, if it wasn't mentioned and you didn't actually see it. You wouldn't oh, know well, it. well, you would... You, the, the, it was one of those things. It's it, it was the the Star Trek thing where the here here you go. hypospray yeah. right the hypospray into I, the shoulder and then the, she screams ow. What was it in the shoulder though? I thought it, yeah. I thought it literally was just a spray. No no no. Oh was they okay. they they like jabbed her in the uh, in the shoulder. Okay. Well anyway, I what I love about it is that it's but it so was quick. so quick. It was yeah. so quick. It's so quick. It's so simple. And if you didn't have it, if it wasn't a piece of the story. You'd kind of wonder what's going on. But because of the dialogue, the way that the characters interact, and the story that's delivered, you're right in there. You're right in the pocket the whole way. Every shield base is gone. Now, in case you weren't watching the last end of the episode and didn't happen to see the last time on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all the bases are gone. Yep. So for anybody that's still kind of, well, you know, we're not exactly in a completely different divergent timeline. Yes, we are. Oh, yeah. We we are so far out of the out of the spaghetti pot that I dare say that this isn't even pasta anymore. This is as much of a divergent timeline as the future that Deke is from with crumbs of earth mm. and Cree invasion lighthouseness. Yeah. It's it's as complicated is that because as we saw at the end of their adventures in the future when they leapt backwards that future was still there the characters that we had watched for that half a season were still there so you could still save the earth which they did there was no crumbs of earth but you didn't get rid of that timeline right this now you gotta wonder it's <clears throat> we're an episode away and I, I understand you gotta hold out on hope but how the fuck do we yeah. fix this? 
Base empathy extends to all the bases planet wide? I I I guess so. I I I thought maybe it was just let's give her an acting moment and here you go. Did we need the Obi-Wan Kenobi moment? No. No. Does it do anything to derail the enjoyment and the pace of the episode? No. It's just something that kind of there, I guess. <laughs> I I just didn't care for that. I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of why did we do that? I mean, I can understand it. It, at to an extent because all at once a whole group of people planet-wide are being taken out simultaneously so for an empath I, I guess I can understand feeling that but the way that they portray it it's like oh I felt the shield agents die your powers have never worked like that that's kind of where I'm going and why we're, we're why going, add we're, it we're, there we're going from hey I'm a sprint flip phone to uh, hey, I'm a I'm a satellite uh, orbiting. No, Earth. hi, I'm Hal. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. Talking tech, the Chronobombs. That's right, a second talking tech segment. This time, it's the Chronobombs that I thought were incredibly cool. They they have the ability to pull off objects like this and have always been able to pull off objects like this. Everything from the dark chocolate book. <laughs> to anything that was held in glory during the Ghost Rider stuffs, to just all kinds of oodles of stuff since the very first season to now. It, it's all just spectacular. And we can add the Chronobombs to another great talking tech moment inside this program. I was super, super impressed with this. Let's make some noise. Tink! <laughs> this is great. You think there's going to be some wonderfully gargantuan explosion from the largest missiles that the Zephlorian can fire at the not-quite-impregnable doors of this incredibly large ship, but they'll burst through? Uh, no, they won't. <laughs> and I love that. I thought it was great. It, it's where you go, okay, we've, we, we've just thrown everything we've got at the doors of this thing. And it was barely a hiccup. Yep, yep. And I love that. Again, amping up the peril tossing in just this wonderful dash of humor where the the, the uh, Sousa goes got anything bigger <laughs> yeah. and max just just dumbfounded absolutely by it all. dumbfounded and again it's the situational humor yeah it's it's not the i'm going to land a joke so that the whole audience laughs and guffaws for five minutes it's wow that didn't work how can I feel even more in Oh, yes, because now you're asking for something bigger. Yes, the situational humor, yeah. because guess what? That happens in real life. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The, the whole you got anything else thing. I've, I've said that to several people about several different things, and I, I love that. It's great. Talking tech. The teleportation straitjacket. This is easily the most tremendous talking tech of this episode. I, I, I loved all the other stuff. It was great. It really made the moment. This, however, with James Paxton's portrayal of how it actually impacts him, but just the concept of how it's delivered from kind of a, an accidental idea on L.M. Coulson's part to the way it's delivered by Yo to the way it's it's used throughout the entire episode. Mm. I thought that this was epic. I love the concept of a teleportation strike jacket that instantly limits the powers 
of a transportation superpower being. I, I, I thought this was brilliant. It was easily one of my most favorite parts of the episode. The whole section of this is a great setup. For, and, and again, it's, it's almost like humor. You're, you're setting up a joke. So, boom, Coulson draws the big X on the floor. Okay, well, that's, that's weird. What's going on here? Boom, Garrett portals in. Oh, hey, amigos, what's up? And then we get the, 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 the back and forth. Because we know something you don't, you slimy dirtbag. <laughs> yeah. And boom. And, and he tries to get away. And you get you continue to get that sliminess off of him. It's like, well, boy, this hurts. Maybe I should call my boss. Maybe get these bombs defused. Because, you know, uh, boom, and I'm still here. Yeah. Calling off the bombs, explosion, and the plan. Well, the plan's not too popular inside of young John Garrett's brain, apparently. <laughs> this is just, it's written so perfectly and, and pulled off wonderfully again by James Paxton inside this episode where he, he, he can't quite believe that the guy that saved him from doom is the guy that's going to throw him feet first into doom. Yeah, <laughs> I yep. love it. I love it. And, and watching his face melt as, as he, as he goes, boy, I'm going to really, you guys are over a barrel on this one. Oh, wait, no, you're not. <laughs> I loved it. I'm loved in the barrel with you. <laughs> and I'm the first one that's going to die in the barrel, no less. I, I, I loved all of that. And uh, again, just a, a total writing, you know, detour sign that I absolutely love. Not only did they, they kind of plan where he was going to be, not only did they come up with this concoction tool to make sure that he gets straightjacketed and can't leave. But they've instantly made him sympathetic to their cause so that they can get their asses out of where they are. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And it leads to some really great story beats later in the episode. No time to get to the surface. Boom! This was fun. At first I thought that the boom happened far too quickly. And then as I... I have, I've actually watched this episode twice. Good. I, I watched this episode Thursday afternoon after it came out because I wanted to be familiar and, and I didn't want to do anything but sit and watch it. I didn't take any notes, nothing. So I watched it and then the, tonight, uh, before we came into the studio tonight, I watched it again. And inside of this one, I really did appreciate that it was that close. Mm. And in that essentially he gets off the phone with gets off the phone with Nathaniel, they hang up the phone and then that's that's literally when all hell breaks loose. And it really does pay off because they then instantly push to break. And when they come back from break, doom, the place is a wreck. And you find out that uh, that Yo actually went and grabbed all the bombs and put them all in one place and then left. It happened so fast, though, that I thought, holy shit, did Yo-Yo just sacrifice herself? Mm. Yeah. Because I have the commercial free stuff, so it fades to black and comes right back for me. Oh, okay. So Yo-Yo dashes off with the one bomb, and then, and then you hear boo. I'm like, that was that was too quick. There's no way in the world she survived. But yeah. then, you know, she did. Yeah. And I'm like, whoo. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was really well done. And again, it's a, it's a piece of the sandwich that this entire scene here. Oh, that was magical. Between the, between the talking points of May to L.M. Coulson and back to the repartee between young John Garrett and Ellen Coulson and May. It was all just We have to stop done. the bleeding. Do we? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it, he's, he's going to be that. the only... Right, I know. 
<laughs> right. Of course. Come on, man. It's white hats from now on for John Garrett. <laughs> Talking tech. The digital bouncing Betty. Just when you thought there weren't any more talking tech moments to have. <laughs> well, we've got a, another one here for you guys to chew on. And it, again, is another completely outside the box, out of nowhere. Wow. So simple. So straightforward. A, a reasonable special effect that really does impact everything that's here. Yeah. But does not blow the budget wad at all. I, I loved it. And it's the, the digital bouncing Betty that Mac puts into play by slamming a staff onto the ground. Uh, I'm, what I'm assuming is a digital element is added into the screen. Right. A digital blast where the stunt actors jump backwards and land appropriately. And done. And it's so well handled. It's, it's, it's exactly the tool that was needed in exactly the place it needed to be. But you don't feel any of that, oh... So he just pulled out something we've never, ever seen before and enacted it because this is exactly where we needed it. Oh, that's convenient. Right. But there wasn't any of that, oh, that's convenient piece inside of it. It was convenient and it was perfect. And that there was the one shot, that that's what you get. And that it instantly takes him out of the the bucket of peril that they're in, i.e., look at all the freaking Chronicoms with guns. What are we going to do here? They're here for your face. <laughs> That was tremendous. I, I, I loved all of it. That's where we ask you guys, what was your talking tech moment for this episode? Season 7, episode 12, the end is at hand. Let us know what you think by going to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv. Fill in the quick web form and tell us what you think. From suicide bomb to a duct tape getaway plan. Wow. If you didn't think it was impressive before... This is impressive. This is where the creative hats not only came off and where they themselves duct taped together to make something awesome. This, it, without having trumpeting music at all in the background, this is what creates the trumpet to the end of the episode wonderfully. Yeah. This and the, the visuals that are showcased after the Zephlorian leaves the alien spaceship are so incredibly tremendous. That I, I don't I don't think I have the words, and that's saying something because I have a whole lot of words in my mouth and brain, and this was amazing. I, I also love that all of the all of the little quick nit nick picking that could happen here. It's almost all completely done away with. All of the chronicoms can be quote jacked into, and then roped into this resource that can be loaded onto one of their remaining rockets slash missiles that can all be set to detonate when they hit the doors that are nearly impregnable. And because of the blast wave that's mentioned by Sousa, that was generated by the one Chronicom on Earth's surface, there should be no problem opening up the doors. Right. And not surprisingly, it does exactly what it's supposed to, and it was perfect. Again, it could fall squarely into that, oh, I see, so you've pulled out this incredibly perfect, convenient solution during the perfectly convenient time. Boy, isn't that convenient. Yuck, yuck. Except there isn't any of that because it's incredibly outside the box. Where else have you seen somebody that duct tapes the enemy to bombs and then shoots them at a door to escape something? Name me that program real quick because I don't remember that one. And so the the originality that's showcased here, the the value proposition that you get from this entire this entire concept of okay, I think I've got it. 
<laughs> let's strap the dead guys to the bombs. Their internal power sources will interact with the explosions and nothing good and get us the hell out of this ship. Cool? Cool. Check. Fire. Done. The doubting love of a sister. Boy, this is tremendous. It was something inside the previous episode that, that struck me as I, I, I listened to that podcast uh, of yours and mine uh, yesterday after I watched the after I watched this episode once. And inside of the previous episode, we have a wonderful moment where Daisy is appreciative of her sister, but Daisy doesn't care about her sister because she's already got a sister, Simmons. Right. Th this is the other piece of bread in the sandwich. And this is so wonderfully showcased right here in this piece of the story. For me, even though it was a little bit different, this this screamed Cyclops and Havoc. Mm. This screamed well this well screamed Scott Summers and Alex Summers. Mm. Uh, the the sibling rivalry that you can it's thick. It's mm -hmm. thick right here. Even though the two of them have spent less than an hour together in each other's presence their entire life. Mm -hmm. And it all revolves around Jaing. And it's the, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to use my powers to fight you moment of, are we going to see Korra be a true villain? Or is she somebody that has just been manipulated and confused? And, well... Decision made. The writing off of Korra. So it finally all goes south for Korra in that Nathaniel finally has a final conversation. Okay, can't get with the program? No problem. And he puts her down with essentially the Chronicon version of the Night-Night gun. Yep. Yeah. Korra now is questioning Nathaniel's perspective of Daisy. Oh, Daisy's evil. Daisy's bad. No. Well, Korra doesn't think that anymore. She's not bad. She's mm -hmm. not evil. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not with the program anymore, pow. But again, uh, this is this is one step that I didn't really agree with because you didn't kill her. Because this is going to bite you in the ass later on. You you you're going to you're going to lock her up, and guess what? You're going to be too overly confident that the female goon number three is going to be able to take care of her when she wakes up, and she's not. And Cora's going to get loose. And then, unfortunately, and this is something that I didn't really want to happen, Cora will fight on the side of the good guys. Mm -hmm. Now, whether she survives or not, that that whatever happens in the next episode. But it leaves it open to the fact that it's just like that conversation. Why are you tossing your opponent around? Yeah. Just kill him. Yeah. You know you are not more powerful than Cora, Nathaniel. Kill her, yeah, it, or else she's going to kill you. Right. It, it's one of the definitive things that I really, I'm going to say the word enjoyed. That doesn't mean Mike loves to see people die. So <laughs> everybody just take a freaking chill pill. But it's, what I, death it's, kill. What, I, it's what I really enjoyed about Jaying being murdered outright is that there was a line that was drawn, mm -hmm. and Nathaniel instantly used whatever powers of deduction and reason that he had left or has left. And said, "You're not including the program. Goodbye. A go -wo 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 -wo. done." Yeah. The only thing I can think here is that because the powers that were developed by Korra are so incredibly powerful, that they were developed so quickly, 
Perhaps he thinks with the help of their near-to-well doctor and pumping machine that the powers, while she's alive, can be suckled and taken off and given to the, the I've forgotten their name. Inside Female the, thug number three. Yeah, <laughs> that, that person. That's the only thing I've got, though. And again, knowing knowing the dominoes that are on the table, I would not bet that at all. Well, and again, it's, it just goes to show the arrogance of oh, well Nathaniel. Said. Yeah, well said. A final arrival and goodbye to another Paxton. Hey, what's going Kaplow. And down goes James Paxton as John Garrett, young John Garrett, inside this series. And I'm not telling you that, boy, I couldn't wait for the next season where young John Garrett gets to be a member of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team because obviously that doesn't exist and won't happen. Right. But I hated that we had to have John Garrett die again and so ridiculously quickly for a reason because it looked like he was reaching. I, 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 I hated that. I get it, and I get that he's gone, and it is for good. I totally agree with that. I agree with May, but I, it's not what I was looking for. I was looking for a completely different popsicle. Well, right, but there's no redemption for John Garrett. After everything that he's done, and even May even tells the, the agent that shot him, it's yeah. like, Worry this, about him, this man a was a double agent. This <laughs> man is, the, is responsible for killing tons of people, so don't feel bad about it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Just because he says, yeah, white hat now. No. Right. He was a shit before. He was going to, even in the previous timeline, just because, oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. abandoned me. Yeah, well, guess what? Sometimes you have to leave a man behind. Right. Right. Boo-hoo, you survived. It, it's the spy game. Right. You, you, right. But, you know, you, you you dust yourself off and you go back to work. You don't join Hydra. <laughs> and in this and he, reality, he joins Nathaniel. So, yeah. so again, and that's an extension of Hydra. Yeah. So, again, it's... It, I knew we couldn't trust John Garrett. Yes. I was surprised that he was taken out so quickly. Yes. But I think that's the whole point. It was... Oh, okay, so now we have this reluctant hero that we get to use as our personal taxi. Oh, no, we don't. Yeah, and I agree with that. And and I do like that aspect of it. I like that our incredibly convenient personal concierge of travel is now <laughs> no longer here. I do dig that. I do dig that, and there's absolute reason for it. The Western Union concept for 084s. Wow. This is something tremendous that instantly made me well up inside with pride about a piece of story that was showcased for those that either haven't seen it or forgotten inside of the second Back to the Future film where suddenly there's a messenger and there is a messenger with a message that is instantly interesting to us, but it's not from somewhere recently. It's from decades ago. Yeah. And this piles on top of that even more so, uh, along with a bunch of lore, legend, and I think what, what, what really impacted me the most here is that it's legacy. It's not just this guy was sent because he was told to do so. It's family that people from the past have carried this burden and have known that they need to do X at the end of this run to make sure things happen, and they did it. I love all, I love every single piece and shred of this. I think it's incredibly well done. 
it's so incredibly underdeveloped because of where it appears in the series. And what I really wish could have happened is that there was maybe another four or five episodes where the culmination of these people could have come to a a rally point or been guided to a rally point where I do wish there were some more episodes Mm. and more effects budget and storytelling money. And there just wasn't. So you've got to take with, you've got to take what you get, which is a series of cases or canisters on the top end of this bar that is the safe house. And I love that. I think that's great. Uh, I just know that those, the individual stories of the people that ended up bringing the stuff, I so wish that they'd have had more than their 45 seconds of time. Yeah, well, I mean, because some of them are characters that we met or will meet in the <laughs> future which is the present. I, I love the fact that Victoria Hand yeah. showed up, who who got very little play in the first season. And I think that's that's what I'm taking from this moment of the episode is the fact that, yes, we got a young John Garrett, which takes us back to season one. Mm-hmm. But we have the inclusion of multiple 084s, yeah. which was the entire concept of the first half of season one of yeah. this show. It, we have literally gone full circle now. Yeah, well, full circle, or frankly, what I consider it is, it's the, it's the bookend. Mm. It's the bookend of the series. It also, the 084 stuff is something that was kind of, it was only accidentally revisited previously during the seasons of the show. But it is absolutely something that I think is super strident inside of the storytelling of the series. Yeah. And storytelling in general, for those that have forgotten you go back to Raiders and how many of you remember the idol scene with a bag of sand and the idol? I mean, who, who doesn't know that? Right. It's the beginning of the damn movie. Right. Well, the, uh, I walked in 10 minutes late. What'd I miss? <laughs> oh, you missed a lot, you missed idiot. Just about everything. That's going to be the icon get of this out movie. Of get here. out of here. <laughs> no, no indie soup for you. Get, get right. out of here. Bad dates. <laughs> go have some bad dates. Uh, the, the bottom line though, is that 084s, I think are a wonderful piece of storytelling even when they're not called 084s, when they're in something else inside of a movie or a television series or something else, or there's something that can be carried throughout because there's something special about an item. I yeah. think that's a great a great storytelling element. And there are so many showcased here so quickly that then have an end purpose so quickly. The thing is, though, is that for me, I did not see that, oh, so scattered throughout history are the pieces that are going to be needed to bring somebody back. I was assuming like, oh, these are the weapons that these final agents are going to use to turn the tide against the Chronicoms. So I thought we were going to get like really cool, uh, some stuff from Asgard that we never saw during the show, but you know, was locked away in a, a secret vault somewhere. But we had all of these things, it's like, ooh, is everybody gonna get like a really cool kick-ass alien or Asgardian or supernatural type weapon and i'm not going to say that i was disappointed with what happened i wasn't i I, I loved how things turned out yeah but just imagine what if every surviving member of shield had some kind of cool tech yeah 084 tech yeah that they could use to fight the chronicoms and that's how they win akin to what happened after the battle of new york Mm mm-hmm and the you know the, the stuff that happened inside the front end of the Spider-Man film, where Adrian Toomes, as a contractor, gets the contract to clean up after the Battle of New York. Except you don't get that, sorry. 
But all of the things that were peppered and left out throughout it, even if it was only guns or explosives or, yeah. you know, something. It was the thing that I, I feel Agent Carter could have built oh, off without of. Question. Without question. Because the 084s back then would have been Man, just yeah. just out of your out of your mind sci-fi. You you have hit it wonderfully. What if? What if? We're talking about what if an Agent Carter. Ha. <laughs> what if inside of an ongoing Agent Carter series that was not killed in season 2, but inside of season 3, 4 and 5, you get an 084 that is eventually delivered inside of the end of this program. Yeah. Yeah, it would have it would have worked. About it could have been nice. That. So anyway, th this is striking. The concept of 084s is something I hope does not die with Agents of Shield, because it's absolutely viable. It, it was it was viable when we first concepted it inside of the front end of this show. It was viable when we concepted it in Thor. It was viable when we when we started talking about the um, the 084 concepts inside of any series that we've glanced on. And it can live on. It just has to be talked about. On pace on re-meeting Simmons. Again, I've talked about odd pacing inside of this and the, the, the cumbersome nature of the pacing. But it all feels intentional. That, that was the good part of it. It's not like, boy, that's goofy. That doesn't belong here. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm. It was just intentionally odd where she's acting like a scared schoolgirl that, that, that's meeting someone that... She doesn't quite trust and or know. Yeah. And so what we pile that on to is the the innocuous inoculation that she had received earlier. And I'm okay with that. I just wanted to note that there was a very strange pace, especially here at the end inside of the safe house. I think the reason why it is such an odd, it is odd pacing is because there is less than eight minutes left to the episode. Mm. And there's only one episode left. Yeah. And you are seeing Simmons like you've never seen her before. Great. This is the last of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's surrounded by not only friends, not only colleagues. She's surrounded by family, but she doesn't know who these people are. Yeah. She is the odd man out, even though we all know. It's like, you fit perfectly. You, you've, you've been a part of this from the beginning. But you, you're not acting like it. And it, it just it makes you feel weird yes. that we don't have our Simmons there to be a part of that final fight. Yeah, it's definitely something strange, which leads us into a piece of the discussion of this episode that leads us into something even stranger. How a crystal skull never scored. Those of you that have been listening to this podcast and anything two guys talking for any period of time will know my almost immediate hatred of another film that includes the words crystal and skull in it. I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. I don't either. I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, I think everybody that's clued in is now clued in. And what that film was missing was any semblance of I give a shit. <laughs> that is criminal. For an Indiana Jones film. Let yes. me say that again. Yes. An Indiana Jones film that you care nothing about anybody in it. Nobody. I cared about nobody in that movie. And that's not how that's supposed to work. Let's fast forward 12 years to now. And what do you get? You get this thing that has been put together and or 
researched and or found or resurrected and put together after a series of adventures by a number of people in front of a series of people that are all standing around, many of whom you don't even know. But guess what? I care about all of them. Even the people we didn't meet, the, the standing silhouettes that we know are S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, the remaining blood of, of S.H.I.E.L.D., I care about those people that we never talk to or hear from inside the room more than any of the characters that I ever even learned about inside of that film that includes the words crystal and skull. Mm -hmm. And that is terrible for that movie. But for this show, dude, this is how you do it. This is how you create a series of characters uh, at least four of which we've known for what now? Three and a half minutes? And you instantly endear them. W where is that in my major motion picture, including Indiana Jones exactly? And again, kudos to the writers for being able to do incredible tricks with writing here that I do not have the words for. But you've done it. You have endeared storytelling and character development and character development that I cannot describe in the span of less than three minutes after meeting them. It's just, just a, a, an incredible achievement. It's a multi-step process. Time to think. This is fun. Because it instantly gives the audience a moment to think. To think about the words that she's saying. And to ponder the memories and feelings that we as an audience have. Again, a piece that is missing from 90% of everything that you watch on television, inside of feature films, and especially inside of streaming media programming. There needs to be a, a time to let the viewer emotionally breathe and take in content. Whether that means that there's very little happening on the screen, or whether there's just something pondering or an amping of touching music or something. There needs to be an, an area where the, the lungs, the emotional lungs of a viewer are able to expand and contract somewhere. Mm -hmm. And this is where they choose to do it. And because you're able to do it there, it's that much more emotional. I thought that that was a tremendous piece of the episode. Now, did we all know it's a transportation device to re-meet Fitz? And I asked my co-host across the table. Not until the secret door was moved and the room was revealed and yes. there was the, the, the doodads above. And I'm like, oh, that looks like a teleportation device. Then I was like, and this is how we get Fitz back. Had Fitz, had the actor playing Fitz not shown up in the previous episode in those memory scenes, I would have thought, oh, Something happened, his contract was up, he didn't renew, and we're just never going to see Fitz again. But that didn't happen. Yeah. We saw him, so I'm like, well, we got to have him back by the last episode. So as soon as that door, or the, 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 the wall, is it moves because of the singing key, and you see the doodads, the apparatus, I'm like, oh yeah, we're teleporting somebody in, and it better be freaking Fitz. Yeah, I, I, again, I loved all of this. I love the could have done it blindfold snapping together. Mm -hmm. I love the ponder time. And oh, something I forgot to mention inside of the how the 
other movie that uses the words crystal and skull in a title didn't do professor oxley played by john hurt which actually was one of the only things i remember from that film ironically his cognitive dysfunction reminds me very much of what we see here with simmons the difference is that i care right about simmons because we've known simmons forever where i only met oxley and then heard from shia labeouf about how much he cares about oxley and so guess what like everybody else inside the movie i didn't care at all about oxley the gist is that her cognitive dissonance that's here the pieces that get put together where she could have done it blindfolded the little sayings that she's got to help her kind of accidentally remember things Uh all of those things all of those culminated perfectly inside this piece of the episode to help us understand that she doesn't remember me now obviously for anybody that is the advanced brain that is fits this would be one of the variables that he thinks about and ponders inside of his many variables he could ponder and think about during his time trapped inside of space time wherever the hell he was right so it's not all that big a mystery in fact i think it said the next episode we might actually find out something that he's able to you know oh obviously she needs the suppository to help her understand who she was and who i am blah whatever the backup yeah there will be something that he either knows about or knows how to do to help resurrect the memory. Because, you know, as much as I would say, boy, isn't that a reasonably rich and dark ending to a program where one of the stars doesn't actually remember who she is and she has to redevelop all those relationships. That's touching and that's interesting. And it leaves, a, you know, that, that dark, the, the dark chocolate-esque flavor in your mouth. Yes, I totally agree. But damn, wouldn't it be cool if she can actually enjoy what the hell's going on? I, I have a feeling that by the next episode, by the final episode, we will get something like that because the way Fitz says the line, she doesn't remember me, it's not like it's it's a surprise. Right. Yes. I, All I totally of agree this with that. was totally agree. fail safes. Enoch was a fail safe. The implant was a fail safe. And then evidently the subconscious mumbo jumbo to erase fits from her memory was a failsafe. Mm-hmm. So with all of these failsafes, are you going to tell me that Fitz, master of tech, didn't have a failsafe for all the failsafes? Yeah. I will not be surprised if in the fu- next and final episode, if we do not get a quick fix, and I'm fine with a quick fix when it comes to Simmons. Oh, yeah. Because damn it. We we spent so many seasons <laughs> wanting these two characters to be together, and it seems like ever since they got together, things just keep on keeping them apart. Yeah, not ripping them apart, just keeping them apart. Yeah. damn it, I want them to have a happy ending. Yeah, the, the memory divergence that finds itself so often inside of, especially comic bookdom for say Wolverine, mm. where okay, it's time to have something reasonably tragic happen. All right, well, let's erase Wolverine's memory. <laughs> okay. Again? Really? Well, erase, erase his memory, implant false memories. <laughs> All of that. You know, that's the, All that, that, was, that was the 60s, 70s, and the 80s for poor Wolverine. Yeah, and, and I have no interest in anything like that. I, I, it's not that I want a bow on it, but I want to be able to have Simmons enjoy the end of the show with us. Mm-hmm. A nice stinger and title. 
this season's stingers have been so incredibly juicy and succulent and insert any one of a number of other food related words <laughs> that instantly makes this that it, it's the piece of the luscious steak that you get knowing that you finished the steak on your plate. But au contraire, mon frere, uh, here comes Juan with another steak for you in the form of next week's episode. And this one is no exception. I love what's being presented here and the stark nature of what they showcase in regard to Sybil. Uh, I love the set that it's so incredibly just nothing. It's obviously a piece of remanufactured set from something somewhere. I have no idea where, but it's wonderfully done because it's stark. It's exactly what it needs to be for the scene. Over on stage right, you've got Nathaniel that <laughs> it's clear to me. He wants to just go choke Sybil and tell her that would you just shut up? And because I want to do whatever I want to do. And you don't understand that because you're looking at the twisty digital spaghetti between your hands. Oh, shut up, bitch. And that you can see that in his eyes. Right, right. That he wants to do that. And and she, he doesn't. And so what you get is this luscious pull in on Sybil, who gives you not only the eventual title of the episode, but that she thinks the book is closing and she's not wrong. We have had both Sybil and in uh, maybe three episodes back, Enoch, cryptically say that this is the last time the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will work together. This is their final mission. Okay, that sounds ominous and dark and final. But what if it isn't? What if it's just a way to say something ends, but instead the ending is a new beginning and that is what i am holding out hope for yeah and I, I, again it's I have, all in the wording yeah. of how they're saying it there's a couple of things that we're going to talk about in regard to once again the next generation of star trek and the the end episode of that is all good things mm. and it absolutely it's the pinnacle of everything we're talking about because it was the end of all good things but look at all the shit that's happened since that show ended yeah while Nemesis is included inside of that cone of what happened afterwards, it is not the juicy part and the luscious part of what's happened at all. Again, I can't wait to see what we're going to experience inside not only the next episode, but where they're going to take and, and you know give a direction to the end of what we know as these characters inside this medium. The reverse version of the TNG weight. I glanced on this inside of our, inside of one of our housekeeping segments, the first one. Mm -hmm. And what I'm referring to, for those that, I'm going to assume for a second that nobody knows what the next generation means, much less is. The next generation of Star Trek is Star Trek The Next Generation, which started in late 1987 and continued on for seven glorious seasons, hundreds of episodes, and uh, what a legacy that show has left. When we got to the end of a 24-episode season inside of that program, and I'm going to be fast-forwarding to season two, three, four, five, <laughs> as we got deeper into the seasons, what would always happen is there would be, traditionally, a two-parter. Part one would be, of course, the last episode of a season. So you get to episode 24 and you'd have, ding, part one of whatever the storyline is going to be. And at the end of part one of that season, there would traditionally be what we now know and is has always been called a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. 
And the cliffhanger is where a piece of story is happening. Not so strangely like in Toy Story where where Woody and Bullseye jump off the cliff and are flying through the air and we'll be back next week with the right with the rest of the story. Thanks for coming, kiddos. Have a good night. Well, it was the same concept. The difference is that you couldn't come back next week with the with the next generation because the television show had to be made over the course of the next four months. Right. And so fade to black. <laughs> Blue letters to be continued. Dot dot dot. And, and a swelling horn. And, and a swelling horn. Swelling horn. Roll credits. <laughs> yeah, and it was and it was tremendous. It was tremendous every single season. I mean, it just it, it was the pinnacle of entertainment intake. The only thing that sucked about it was those four months mm-hmm. because yeah. you now have four months to wait to know what the hell happened at all. Because there was no internet. There was no oh, gossip yeah. <laughs> stream except for the magazines that we talked about. And a, a few other things, maybe a Star a Star Trek convention, mm. where even then the actors were sworn to secrecy and couldn't tell you anything anyway. So again, that what I loved about the end of this episode is that because of the way you and I have chosen to intake this and then the last episode, we have a micro version of what happened with the TNG four month wait. And that you and I are actually going to wait. It's not four months. It's not even four days. It's about 48 hours. <laughs> and only because we're busy. Right. <laughs> I mean, if if I could, as soon as we're done recording this podcast, I would leave the studio, race home, and watch the final episode. Yeah. But I'm not going to do that because I need to go to bed and I have a very busy day the next day. So yeah. it will happen. Yeah. The thing about the wait and how television episodic television has evolved is personally speaking i i've i've kind of grown tired of the cliffhanger me too uh, because it was done all the time mm-hmm. back in back when we were imbibing television yeah and it evolved and i'm glad that it evolved because now what we do is by the end of a season typically doesn't always happen and it's not for every show but typically for all the shows that i watch you have a resolution to your main storyline that has been running throughout your season Mm -hmm. by the end of your final episode. But there's something else that happens that will propel your story in the next season, Mm -hmm. and it's that little taste of it. It doesn't necessarily affect your main characters because usually they don't know that it's happening. But for you, the viewer, they show you something to... Now you want to come back next season, don't you? Yeah. And I, I really like that. And ironically enough, because of COVID, most of the shows, because because you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, me and a couple of my other friends, we do a, uh, a pop culture geek type podcast called My Big Fat Pull List. And we talk about the TV shows that are based off of comic books all the time. Mm-hmm. The CW has the majority of the DC stuff. The Arrowverse is what they call it. Well, this last season, because of COVID, most of those shows didn't end the way that they were supposed to because they couldn't finish filming their seasons. Mm -hmm. So this was the first time we ended up with fade to black, swell a horn, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. And I got to tell you, I didn't like that Mm -hmm. because it was like, no, no. We're supposed to resolve this mm-hmm. and then go on to something new. So, so again, it's I, I can appreciate how things used to be. I'm glad they have changed. Mm-hmm. 
And the thing is, is I'm actually kind of worried because I don't know what to expect moving forward because COVID is still a thing. It will end. I'm, I'm very confident of that. I don't know if it's going to end soon, mm-hmm. but it will end eventually. Mm-hmm. And we've got a long time to wait before that happens. And what will happen to our imbibing of television if television can't be created? And I know I totally went off on a different tangent. Yeah, it, it fits, though. The, but, it, yes, it does fit. The, 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 the bottom line, and, and why I jumped onto this, is that what Nick and I are experiencing right now is the self-evocation of the reverse TNG wait, i.e., holy shit, now it's time to wait four months. So well, if I never watch the final episode and never come back here to, to record that final episode, the show never ends. Oh, awesome. There we go. We found the loophole. <laughs> Well, we're not going to do that. No, of course we're not going to do that. What I wanted to make sure that we talked about, though, is that this this self-imposed entertainment prohibition, if you will, I I want all of you to understand the sacrifice that Nick and I are going through so as to provide you with some really great, detailed entertainment review here. Because it's not easy, dude. No. I'm telling you. Hulu made it so easy for me to just go, and we're done, and hey, look, another episode. You also got to be careful of Facebook. There have been oh, several posts that I've had to, like, literally just scroll real, yes. and close my eyes as I'm doing yeah. it because... The, the one that we referred to that points to that article that we're going to link up again, it was the perfect example of, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> because I'm not kidding. In the next paragraph, I'm certain that there was just doom waiting for me right around the corner. Same thing with that video. The video I started talking about dark gray corners. And how that made them that made them upset. They wish they could have done something else. And then you get into the very tear jerking stuff about the each of the stars saying thank you, which was just incredibly good. And then it started to get thick, and I'm like, oh, I'm clicking off. Ripcord, ripcord. Yes, there's yeah. no no question that the ripcord saved me without question. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the self-imposed entertainment prohibition that we are evoking here, man, what a wonderful experience, but so. Patience testing. We are flying through the 12th episode review during the final season, season seven of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's Curious Goods Podcast. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. 
Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming this time. Season 7, the final season. The next to final episode, episode 12, the end is at hand. Every time we come back from break, Nick and I open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I either pick an actress portrayal, a storytelling element inside the episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Well, Mike, I, I can't believe that this is the penultimate How about that? S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. That's <laughs> uh, kind of bittersweet. And there is so much about this episode that I would love to shove in here, but there's just <laughs> this manila envelope will not hold. So I think for my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier, what I really want to focus on is the creators of this show actually giving a damn. Mm. Mm. This, this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been riddled with issues behind the scenes dealing with the studio since its inception. Mm-hmm. The fact that you've you've got a group of people both in front of and behind the camera continuing a show that they know they have no solid connection to the bigger film universe except for Clark Gregg. And even then, just a version of Clark Gregg. Because to them, everybody in the MCU movie-verse... Agent Coulson died in Avengers. Loki killed him. Bringing a character back to life, like they did for this show, kind of ridiculous. Even in a comic book, it's a little sketchy. Writing has to be on point for you to even go, okay, I'll keep reading this. The whole Tahiti thing. You had a mystery, and you kept us, you kept us going, and then you find out, oh, shit, the resurrection process for Coulson wasn't a day at the beach and again even though i wish that my my many comments over the seasons of it's all connected really meant anything they don't they do to me and i hope that they do to some of you out there listening but to the big wigs making those films they don't they don't they don't care about it luckily we have the people who make this show that do care about it mm-hmm. And this season is just, it's a love letter, not only to this show, but to all the fans that have stuck with it from episode one. So my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is definitely just praising everybody involved in this show for all of their hard work. 
for all of the unappreciated work that they've done to keep this show going. And I am eternally grateful to be able to have seven seasons of entertainment, not only to be able to watch, but then to be able to give me this to do, this podcast, for all of you out there who are listening to enjoy me and Mike's reveling in how fun this show is. And that is my shield dossier. I have no idea how to follow that up with my tiny, minuscule (laughs) post-it note. It's okay next week for the final episode. I won't have anything. It'll be, (laughs) it'll be really small. No soliloquies for me next episode. (laughs) My shield dossier is very straightforward inside this episode. And it is unexpected turns. This show crafts so many good things Mm. that I know inside of other programming so easily are due detours to doom. Yeah. Yeah. And this episode in particular, that weird pacing flavor is is laced throughout all of it but it's saving grace is that you have absolutely no idea where it's going right I, and i'm not kidding even when i thought i knew that they were building a machine that would bring back fits because i did think that mm-hmm. that's why i wrote it that's it like the rest of it i had no idea where this episode was going i'm uh, this is where i have to turn and ask my co-host so did the man that knows where everything is going know where this episode was going at any time? No. And that is why the, <laughs> the misdirection that's going on inside of this episode is my shield dossier because goddamn. Every time I thought they were going to zig, they zag. Absolutely. When, when they were going to when you thought they were going to zig, they didn't zag, they boom. And I don't know how to spell that. And that's what I'm talking about. They, they they take it in directions that not only did you not expect, you couldn't even have pondered. You could not have pondered. I kept on expecting duck. a giant fight while they're on the on the ship. It's but I never for the, once thought Sybil that, was just going, uh, it doesn't matter. That, we that won. Is the perf- so go ahead and do whatever you want. Right, right. The, the the front end of that is perfect where you've got Daisy and yeah. and shotgun wielding Mac doing all creepy yeah, yeah and, it's and, and and dual pistolero Sousa waiting for the door to open and he looks over at Mac and goes you think they're doing the same thing on the other side of the door <laughs> I totally got a kick out and of that because finally it's, somebody says it because yes, nobody has ever said that in in the history ever, of history of, of film and television <laughs> and it was glorious it, it was glorious the the unexpected direction taking that this show provides us for makes me marvel and that is my shield dossier it's where we ask you guys what was your shield dossier for this episode let us know what you think by going over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv fill out the quick web form and tell us what your shield dossier was for this episode episode 12 the penultimate episode of agents of shield ah the rating during this episode of marvel's agents of shield on abc and hulu streaming the scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Strapping dead rigged chronicoms with the front end of bombs to break open the doors. Genius, man. Frickin' genius. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Getting a bullet to the head when you arrive from your most recent teleportation. R.I.P. John Garrett. Again. <laughs> Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? It's a 10. 
I got nothing else to say about it, man. I'm, I really, I was hoping for another. At you least want me to go on another diatribe? I could. No. Or fine. I might just save that for the final episode of this show. Oh, please do. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. <laughs> and although it won't happen during the rating, because it, I mean, we're going to be gushing every single second, exactly, every single minute. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's no reason for me to, to draw this out any further. Yes, I rate this episode a ten. This episode was so bizarre because it went against everything that you would think yes. an action fantasy sci-fi show like this would do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely everything. Yeah. While some people might find that a little off-putting, I sure as hell didn't. No. It kept me glued to the TV cuz I start I start off reclined like, "All right, let's watch the second to last episode of Agents of Shield." And by the middle of the episode, I'm done reclining. I am now sitting yeah. on the edge and Tweet I am forward, watching. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, the shield logo comes out. I was like, what? what? Oh, this is it? This is the end? It's over already? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, this is a 10. Yeah. I, too, give this a 10. That's See? What we Short and so simple. <laughs> what have we been doing all these years, Mike? Just drawing out these these ratings, giving them reasons why we're giving in these numbers? Just say the number, man. Ten. I give this episode a ten. <laughs> That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season seven, the final season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Episode 12, the end is at hand. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's agentsofshield.tv. Fill in the quick web form. Tell us what you rated this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication. final answer sound test this is the final answer sound test i don't know what the final question was to give you a final answer so 72 good one